We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted, the film show. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Welcome to Unscripted, the film show, Unscriptonites. I am Cecilia and in the studio joining me is Lewis. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Cecilia. How's it going? It's good. It's another Thursday. Uh, If you're listening live to the show on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM, FM, top station on your (laughs) dial. Otherwise, you may be listening to the podcast version, which is equally fine. That's Um, quite all right. We won't won't hold it against you. Not at all. Listen to both. Listen to both. Yes. And then rate and review us and tell us what you think about the show. But uh, last week we had such a big show. We had so many films to squeeze in. We spoke about Mission Impossible, Joyride. Uh, there was other films, New Elemental, Boy, Elemental. Yeah. We had so much to talk <laughs> about. It was crazy. And this week you and I were given a little bit of a reprieve from uh, going to media screenings. We didn't have any to attend uh, throughout the week, uh, which is a little bit sad, but it's not too sad. Oh, God, no. I don't, sometimes I need a break. You need a break. I, need, I, I, I love going to the cinema. I, I honestly do. But sometimes I could just like life is moving so quickly and uh, I just like I just need to just to, to, to stop for a bit. You don't. And so it was nice. And next week we've got like two movies back to back, big ones. Mm-hmm. Next week is going to be a box office bloodbath because we've yeah. got uh, Barbie coming out, <laughs> and and that's a, an interesting film because apparently it's a film like if you love Barbie, you'll love going and see this film. If you hate Barbie, you should go and see this film. So. Yeah. It's going to be, it like hits those two quadrants, loving Barbie and hating Barbie. <laughs> if you're indifferent to Barbie, don't go. But uh, this is going to be, it's going to be something else. It looks looks awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait for it. Uh, also coming out is is Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. uh, which I really, really hope makes a lot of money because mm. otherwise it's going to be a bomb. <laughs> it is going to be, it will be, yes. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I've been workshopping that joke all uh, week. Have you? It, 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 you <laughs> It was flawless. The execution was flawless. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I only know because I've seen that. I think I've seen you had already written that yes, on the Facebook. Yes, I so did. You, was, you were prepared. <laughs> I was prepared, but I did laugh when I first seen it, so do not worry. Brilliant joke. Um, but, yeah, two big, big films. So next week's going to be a banger. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, um, nice. It's going to nice. be a banger next week. We're going to have so many films. Uh, this week a little bit more quiet. I've got a couple of uh, indie films to review, one called Dali land which is uh i'm not going to say it's a biopic of um salvador dali but it's kind of a film about him uh and then i've also seen a film which has been released now for a few weeks called reality but you can still catch a screening of this at um, some of your independent films and i think it'll probably make its way to streaming uh, eventually so i'm going to cover off on those two things um there was a film on saturday called carmen which i didn't get to see mm. but it looks really good so i might just briefly mention that and when it's um i think it opens tonight and you've been uh you've been uh, doing the old streaming yeah, catching yeah. up on things on on telly i I have, I have. I watched a, uh, a few things, so I will, I will discuss those. I don't want to, don't want to give it away now because uh, we've got to, got to fill the show somehow. Exactly, <laughs> not at all. We've got to um, fill it with some stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to to Barbie. To be honest, I wish that was this week. I yeah. cannot wait to see. This I don't film. understand why they would have like you know. I know. Okay, so Mission Impossible came out two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and. They wanted to give that obviously some clear space because if you tried to, you know, put something up against that, it would probably just you know no one would go see it. Mm-hmm. So now you got a couple of clear weeks of it, and now they're putting out two films. Well, I guess these are two very different kind of films. Yeah, I mean, 
the Oppenheimer being the biopic about the guy who created the nuclear bomb, it's uh, just or atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a uh, you know, not, that's not going to appeal to everyone. I don't think. No, I think cinephiles. <coughs> sorry, I think cinephiles are going to be into it because it's a Christopher Nolan film, and you know yeah. he likes to make things to be seen on the big screen. But um, yeah, Barbie. That's uh, it's it, it. Just looks really interesting. Just the idea, like if they're making a Barbie film, I just never thought it would look like what we're seeing in this trailer. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting, and we've never really seen anything like it before. I think the fact that Greta Gerwig has taken the reins on this gives me hope that it's going to be a great film. Uh, I just know it's going to be snappy and it's going to be sharp and it's going to have something. It's going to have a message, a moral there. There's going to be something to take away from the film. The only thing I'm worried about is has it been so overhyped now that I'm going to go and see it and be disappointed? You know when you go and see a film because people have just raved about it Mm. and then you get in and it's like, oh, that was average? (laughs) I guess people will just have to tune in next week to hear our reviews on that. I think this film's going to be awesome. Now, I'm not going to give anything away, Mm. but I'm just flicking through the cast list here and, uh, you know, there's, interestingly enough, there's lots of big names in there. We already know Ryan Gosling and Margot <laughs> Robbie's in there. Um, there's some other big names in there as well. But what I do notice is that the uh, the, the, the name Barbie and Ken as their, their, their character names turns up on more than one actors, uh, mm. you know, as, as um, casting as that Barbie or Ken. So I'm guessing we're going to see uh, different variations of Barbie and Ken uh, during the Barbie movie. Excellent. Um, there's one, there's one uh, actor who's uh, um, listed as Ken um, and, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see him because usually you can't see him. So oh. it's going to be... Uh, Gonna be very interested to see how that goes. Oh, is he a voice actor? No, no, no. I'll, I'll, it's a, it's a, it's a reference, but I'll explain it off air. Excellent, because you can't, don't want to spoil I it. I don't want to give it away too much. Like people who know know. After yeah. I just said you can't see me, but uh, you know, people who who don't know, they uh, they they uh, won't they won't get it. But when they go see it, they go, oh, it's that guy, that yeah, guy, that guy. Now I get that reference. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. No, really looking forward to this film. So, uh, cannot wait to see it. Uh, next week and then uh, yeah but just two big releases in one week it's massive That's, I mean yeah. you can't ask for more than so that Barbie is like uh, two hours long mm. I wonder if this is why they gave us a break this yeah. week because they were preparing us for the release of these two films which uh, I, I almost thought Barbie might sit at about two hours that kind of makes sense to me and then I'm assuming um, the the Nolan film will be at least two hours 40. Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer. Three hours. Three hours. Are you serious? Yeah. The thing with this is I'm actually not going to the screening because I'm going to go to a screening with some friends who wanted to see it and I knew that there was no way I was going to watch this twice. (laughs) So I opted to go with the the group that wanted to go and see this film. So wait, so you're like you're a, a girl, uh, like uh, or a woman, I should, I should, I should, and and your 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 friendship group who want to go and see Oppenheimer. I know. I'm assuming they are also of the women persuasion. It's a mix. It's a mix. It's a mix. Oh, okay. yeah. So it's a mix of guys and girls. Which uh, and that was the film that they wanted to go and see, and they wanted to make a day of it. So I said, "Yep, sure," but there was no way I was going to go see it twice. Yeah, that's a um, big big ask. Yeah, because the the thought of seeing it. At a media screening, and not and I know I know I'm going to like this film. I know I'm going to like it. It's a Christopher Nolan film. I love Dunkirk. I love his stuff, and I know I'm going to like it. But sometimes three hours is just too much to see a film in the same week. Mm, so mm. I just knew that I could only watch this once in a week, and then potentially uh, like view it again when it come out. Uh, to streaming or on DVD, if you like, and and rewatch it. I know I'm going to like it. I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, I just, you know, the the crafting that he does to get his films. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see which one we, um, you know, like more Barbie or well, Oppenheimer. I don't know. We like them equally. Yeah. We have to have to wait and so see. Different, I actually got like, a friend uh, like message us yesterday to say, oh, yeah, I remember Lewis talking about Oppenheimer. Do you guys want to catch up and and watch it? And I was like. <laughs> You, do you know what I do? It's like yeah. uh, most most films like uh, I, I see before they they 
officially released because mm-hmm. of my you know reviewing them. But the um, yeah, but I think uh, I, I will suggest to uh, the, these friends that maybe instead of uh, like going and seeing a film in the cinema, that we go through my you know massive collection of films and watch something at our place. Good Cause, idea. Because, mm. like, you know, there's a lot of films that people haven't seen that we can mm. go, have you seen this? And exactly. Then... There's got to be something <laughs> in your collection there that people haven't seen. And, of course, you've got the fantastic, uh, you know, screening opportunity mm. at your house with your, your big screen. So, yeah, no, that's actually a great idea. Yeah. Which Kat and I actually, yeah, we, we used that yesterday. The, uh, we went up uh, upstairs to watch the, I think it was the fourth episode of Secret Invasion, uh-huh. um, which is the new Marvel TV show that is on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is, uh, I think I might have mentioned before, but you know the scroll, did you see Captain Marvel? No, I you didn't. Did. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you will not understand this at all. Um, but in Captain Marvel, they introduce the scrolls, and scrolls are shape-shifting aliens. Right. In the comics, the scrolls are pretty much always bad guys, and uh, they're always like trying to take over the Earth and stuff like that. But in Captain Marvel, they showed them as sympathetic refugees just trying to find a new home. And I was going, wow, that's really weird. Like the scrolls are supposed to be bad guys and yet they've made them kind of like, you know, sympathetic refugee people. How are they going to change this? And then um, that was in the 80s. So between the 80s and the current day, mm-hmm. like some of the, uh, the scrolls, because Nick Fury was trying to find them a new home to go to mm-hmm. and has been failing. And uh, some of the scrolls would say, well... We're here on Earth. Um, let's just, you know, ho- Earth can be our new home. We'll just <laughs> take over Earth. And the uh, so they've, like, set the, the wheels in motion. But because they're shapeshifters, they've kind of gone into, like, all levels of, you know, government, mm-hmm. taken over certain people and, you know, are gaining power um, mm-hmm. through, info- like, through a secret invasion. Um and it's four episodes in. It's a really good show, but it's not, it's so different to all the other you know Marvel stuff. It's more you know even though you're talking to shifting aliens, it kind of feels more grounded. Um, but yeah, it's it was it was really good. And uh, yeah, the the episode last night was probably the most cinematic of the episodes so far. It's got a stellar cast. You've got uh, Amelia Clark, uh, Kobe Smulders. Mm-hmm. You've got Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn, Mendo. Olivia Coleman. Oh, Olivia Coleman is amazing. Martin Freeman. Yeah. The list goes on. Are they quite lengthy episodes? <laughs> no, not really. They're probably about you know about forty minutes long. Mm. The um, uh, some of those that you you mentioned are, are cameos. Okay. Um, Don Cheadle. Sorry, in, I, think <laughs> I just ruined that for a few no, people. No, that's all right. No, no, they're, they're they're in there. They're just not in there for long. So, uh, um, Don Cheadle's in there as well. He's mm-hmm. like the. Uh, to IC to the President of the United States, which is a bit different to being War Machine. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's really good. But, yeah, uh, Olivia Coleman, she plays like this uh, uh, British spy person. Like, I think she's like the, the leader of some group like MI6 or something like mm-hmm. that. And she is, oh, she's so good. Like she's just, whenever she's on screen, it is just so enjoyable and um, – because she, she's so nice and proper and English and chipper. <laughs> and then she cut someone's finger off. <laughs> so it's like, wow, she's okay. Got a nasty full on. streak to That's her, amazing. That woman. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's great. So uh, yeah, if you if you've got Disney Plus, mm-hmm. um, then I would highly recommend going and watch. I think there's only two more episodes to go because you can wait another two weeks and then just binge, binge it all. Yep. But I wouldn't wait. It's great. Go Start on to it now. now. Start now, people. Uh, well, we may take a small break and then we will come back and we will uh, keep talking because that's what we do here. <laughs> we, we talk. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. I should have mentioned at the top of the show the lovely Rachel, whose voice you just heard is not in the studio, um, but she should hopefully be back next week. Yeah, we've got a lack of Rachel tonight. A lack of Rachel tonight. Um, that's okay. We'll manage. We'll keep on keeping on as we do. Uh, I was just, I'm thinking, I was going to talk about a film called Reality, but I just want to make sure the film is actually still streaming. Um, Screening before I well, talk about it. Well, why you check that then? I'm just going to say, I'm looking at Oppenheimer and the, the, the cast for Oppenheimer then. Obviously, you've got uh, Cillian Murphy in there, uh, Emily Blunt, uh, Matt Damon, um, but uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is also in this film. And uh, I love it because he's playing a guy called Lewis, Lewis oh. Strauss. I've no idea if this character is nice or, or nasty, but uh, the fact that he's called Lewis, I'm bang up for it. 
Excellent. I like that. <laughs> do, you uh, get, do you get that? Like when you see someone's, yeah, Cecilia in a, in a movie and you just go, oh, it's kind of it's, me in some way. It's my name. <laughs> it's my name. I know. It makes you feel a little bit special, doesn't it? You're like, oh, yes, that's my name. I've, like, I don't, don't get, get it that often, like, because it wasn't a, a very popular name back in the day, but uh, more so now. But anyway, it's all right. <laughs> Uh, look, I, now, this film Reality, which came out a couple of weeks ago, I cannot see that it is still... Oh, hold on. I'm just trying to see if it's still... Stri- oh, we do still have some sessions left. There are some screenings through uh, Luna at Leaderville and Luna on SX right through until uh, next week. So there's still an opportunity to see this film. I'm a little bit late to the game in reviewing it just uh, due to circumstances, but I did want to talk about it because it's a really good film. Okay. Really good film. And I think it will make its way to streaming at some point. But it's about a girl called Reality. That's actually her name. So the film, yeah, I didn't realise that when I went in. I was like, oh, it's called Reality, but her name is actually Reality. And the film... So Reality is a real person. Uh, She was an American is an American Air Force veteran who was suspected of leaking an agency report on Russian hackers' interference in the 2016 US presidential election uh, and mailing it to the media while she was working as a translator with a top-secret security clearance in June of 2017. So she was accused of taking this report and sending it to a particular um, media source uh, about this. And after the events shown in the film, she was sentenced to five years uh in prison under the Espionage Act. And this is the longest federal sentence ever for unauthorised, you know, release of government information to the press. So the film is directed by Tina Satter and it's a direct adaptation from um, her theatrical piece, This Is A Room. So it's actually a play as well. But what's interesting about this is, so on June 2017, FBI agents... uh, these guys called Garrick and Taylor, they arrive at the home of Reality, who's played by Sydney Sweeney in this film. And they tell her that they have a warrant to search her home um, for evidence of, you know, possible mishandling of classified information. But what follows is almost a real-time reenactment of the interrogation with the FBI. And the dialogue is pulled word for word from the, from the oh, transcript. Right. So it's such a watching this is such from the beginning to end is such a tense feeling. You feel the discomfort that reality feels while she's being interrogated. It's so obvious and knowing this is word for word verbatim, you you can tell it is because it doesn't feel like a film where the dialogue almost is perfect. The dialogue feels like it would if it, it was a real-life situation. And what's really surprising about this is some of the small talk that the FBI agents make with her. Just to, like, it almost feels like they do certain things to make her feel uncomfortable or to bring her to the edge of confessing Mm -hmm. the way that they talk to her. It's just so bizarre that they speak to her about um, just the most bizarre things that you, you just wouldn't expect two FBI agents to talk about. They talk about like, oh, um, can we go into a room in your house? Is this okay? And she goes, yeah, well, there's a room here, but there's nothing in it. And I don't, the reason is, is I don't usually use that room. And they're like, well, why don't you use that room? And she's like, oh, it's just cold and scary. And (laughs) it's like, it's such a bizarre experience to watch, but it's so tense and just keeps you like on the edge of your seat throughout. And I didn't know anything about this woman or, you know, this or, and I feel a little bit naive not knowing Mm. this case or anything about it. I don't know. Did you know anything about this? No. no. Okay. So I don't feel sorry out of the loop, (laughs) but yeah, it's just such a, an uncomfortable experience, but I think all the actors involved did such a good job and making it seem authentic. So I think if you love film, if you love this type of thing, you'll enjoy this film. And, like, I, I would give this a five out of five, like, hands down, just because of the filmmaking experience. So is most of it in this one-room interrogation or...? It's 
it's kind of from, so they meet her at the, she gets home from shopping and uh, she's got groceries in the back of her car. Yeah. So they meet her at the front of the house and she's got to unload um, the groceries. So they start, most of the film takes place um, on her front lawn. Right. And then they move into this room. But yes, for, it's a single location for the most part. And yeah, that um, dialogue verbatim, but it's so weird. Like she'll be like, oh, I just need to go and put the groceries in the fridge. And they're like, oh, no, maybe you shouldn't go and do that. And just the conversation that it just the way it plays out is so fascinating to me. Um, it's such an interesting film and one that, yeah, you just kind of leave going, what the hell just did I see? <laughs> but, yeah, just even, you know, we know that she was found guilty. Um, that I'm not spoiling. Mm. But the process of finding out how she got that document and how she got it out of this place and how she was able to leak it is also interesting. But it also raises that conversation about how, you know, she got so many years in prison for doing this when, you know, um, wasn't there, didn't Donald Trump have a heap of, you know, um, classified information sitting in his house at one point? Donald Trump had boxes and boxes and boxes of classified information. Yeah. um, And he was asked to return it and he didn't and Mm. then he returned some of it. And, yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous that uh, he's he's been charged, like, Mm -hmm. for it. Uh, he hasn't. They haven't had the case, everything like that. Mm-hmm. But like, if he gets away with it, it's yeah. just it's just a joke. Yeah, Absolute especially joke. you know this girl getting five years for one piece of information. First, I'm pretty sure she was a first time offender. Um, look, I mean, I'm but the not. One, the one thing she did though that we we don't know that Donald Trump has done mm. is that she gave that information to somebody else. Correct. Whereas, as far as we know, Trump, Trump had didn't. this yeah. information, but we don't know if he passed it on to anyone else. That is a good point. Yeah. That is a good but point. But if he if he did did mm. pass on to anyone else or he talked about the mm-hmm. whatever's in those classified documents with anyone who doesn't have uh, clearance, yeah. then he could be really up, up, up uh, the creek. But, you know, it, is. it also raises that whole question about whistleblowers and sometimes this information that gets leaked, shouldn't we actually know anyway? Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, good. like I'm not taking sides. I know obviously what she d- did was wrong, but she, when you watch the film, she goes into this detail of how she feels that America is so corrupt and that she just got so angry one day that she saw this piece of information and wanted people to know about it. What was the information? Did they say um, or was it? It was in relation to, I've got the information here, uh, in relation to Russian hackers' interference in the 2016 US presidential election. So, so the one that Donald Trump won? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how they were involved in interfering with that and how that potentially um, changed something in, Mm. yeah. So really important information. uh, Why the public wasn't made aware of it, I don't, well, they were, but now. Yeah. But without whistleblowers, it kind of brings to question, you know, some of the stuff that we we might not know about. Mm. But um, it's just a fascinating Topic. That sounds really good. I think I'll go, um, I'm going to track that one down. Yeah, but a really good. Um, you can still see it in cinemas, and I think I have not. I think it'll definitely make its way oh, to yeah, streaming yeah. at some point. So yeah, if you do see it, give it a go because yeah, it's a real tense, you know, psychological thriller of someone just being interrogated. And um, yeah, I couldn't imagine how I'd act in that same situation. These two big, you know, FBI agents, <laughs> and it's almost like they had the good cop, bad cop thing going. Yeah. And, yeah, just weird. It'd be very intimidating. Like, could you imagine? Mm. I mean, that'd be horrible. Absolutely horrible. But, yeah, i definitely scoring this a five. I'm going to score it five Border Collies. Because <laughs> nice. it was a dog. but um, And she was re- really worried about the dog and what would happen to the dog. Um, which is understandable. Which is understandable. It's the first thing I would have thought of. So. Do you know, uh, you mentioned that this was based on a play. Mm. Uh, and uh, there's something I'm really, really hanging out to watch. Uh, which is being screened this week at uh, Luteron Essex, uh, which we're going to play an ad for in a little while, uh, and also uh, Windsor Cinemas um, as well. Uh, did you ever watch the TV show Fleabag by Phoebe Waller-Bridge? I certainly did. And the only thing that I'm so upset about is that there is only two seasons of that. Yeah, I want more. There's only two seasons of Fleabag, but did you know that Fleabag was based on a play that... <gasps> 
I did, but I don't know a lot about the detail. You know, is it um, exactly the same as the TV series or is it different? I think it's a it's a, like a one-person play yes. uh, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the... The, the the person mm-hmm. in the in the play, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, it's like her describing the events. Um, but um, I'll read the, uh, the the details on it. So um, it's uh, written and performed by Phoebe Waller Bridge, which is cool because she's great. Uh, it Fleabag's a rip roaring look at some of the uh, some uh, look at some sort of woman living her sort of life. Following box office record-breaking run in cinemas in 2019, the one-woman show, so just just her, yeah. uh, returns to the big screen this summer. Fleabag may seem oversexed, emotionally unfiltered and self-obsessed, but that is just the tip of the iceberg. With family and friendships under strain and a guinea pig cafe struggling to keep afloat, Fleabag suddenly finds herself with nothing to lose. The hilarious award-winning play was inspired, inspired the BBC TV series Fleabag, was filmed live on stage in London's West End in 2019. Because I think she did the original one in Edinburgh. Um, ah. But yeah, so if you are interested like me, I'm really interested. Mm. Uh, I am desperate to go and see this film this weekend. There's only a limited amount of screenings though. So in Essex, uh, Lunar on Essex, um, it's on Thursday night. So it's on tonight, uh, which will be on in half an hour. So if you live locally and you want to go get see it, uh, get down there if they've still got tickets. Um, tomorrow night at 7pm as well. Uh, Saturday at 1pm and 7pm and Sunday at 1pm and 7pm. Uh, if you want to go to the Windsor Cinema in Instead, um, it's playing tonight at 7pm, uh, it's playing tomorrow at 7pm, it's playing on Saturday at 1pm and Sunday at 1pm. So Excellent. those are your chances because they, they don't release these things on streaming yet um, mm. or on physical media. So your only chance to see these um, uh, in National Theatre Live things are by actually getting out and going to the cinema. And... Yeah, I'm like, yeah, uh, ho- hopefully get tickets to the uh, 7 o'clock screen on Saturday so I can see it because that's the only time I can see it this weekend. Yeah, I mean, if it's anything like the series, I think, I mean, obviously it inspired the series, yes. so it's obviously got to be good. But I think, yeah, it's a great opportunity to go and see this now and then if you love it that much, watch the series as well. But I think, yeah, we're we're very lucky to be able to have access to, to these types of things uh, in Perth because, yeah, you, you cannot get them online unfortunately Mm. um, no matter how far you dig Um, although occasionally I think during COVID they did show some stuff but that was very special you know circumstances but you know why wouldn't you want to see it on the biggest screen possible actually Um, speaking about um, plays and and musicals and stuff like that um, the you did never watch the Hawkeye TV series? On, I did not. You did not. <laughs> Surprisingly, I did not. Oh, dear, dear me. <laughs> um, the uh, Hawkeye TV series, they had the first episode, Hawkeye's in New York with his family. He goes to see a musical. It's called Rogers the Musical. And it is a musical about the life of Captain America, Steve Rogers. Oh. And it's really cheesy. Clever. But they had they had this, uh, this song uh, called Save the City. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just... It, Cheesy, and it was supposed to be bad because uh, Hawkeye sit there just going, "This is terrible." Um, but everyone's going, "This is great. We want to see more of this." So by the end of the uh, the, the TV show, mm-hmm. uh, the the, the whole six episodes, that actually had the whole Save the City uh, musical number as a end credit scene. And people were just going, we want to see the musical. And oh, they no. demanded they actually made a mu- real musical of this, this show. Uh, Disney in California Adventure have got a, a theatre where they do mm-hmm. musicals. Like they've done Frozen, Aladdin. They do it. In, and they're, they're condensed musicals. So like instead of being like two hours long, they're 37 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And they've actually done Rogers a Musical. They're putting it on in the Hyperion Theatre in California Adventure. And people have filmed it and put it up online. So last weekend, Kat and I watched Rogers a Musical in the comfort of our own home. Fantastic. Um, and it was cheesy but great. Cheesy so, but great. Uh, if you want to see Rogers a Musical, I would get onto YouTube and watch it before they all get taken down. Excellent. Um, there's our uh, community announcement. it's only going to be running for two months. So, I mean, unless you can get on a plane and get to America and go to California and go to California Adventure... You're not going to see it. So at least this way you can check out Rogers the Musical uh, now on uh, the tubes of you. (laughs) We will take a small break and come back after this. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. 
Yes, welcome back, Unscripted Nights, to Unscripted, the <laughs> film show, uh, which you can listen to all past, and, well, not all past, no. but some past and previous episodes uh, via your podcast platform, whether that be iTunes, uh, you can find us direct through the Gentleman of Pop Culture. Uh, dot com or wherever you get your podcast, really, we're we're there. I'm pretty sure. I if wonder, not, I then how far back it does go? Let's have a. I'm just going to have a look. Interested to know how far we go back. Um, I might share some uh, some recent uh, films that I've gone to see. Well, one I went to see, sorry, is called Darley Land, which opens tonight at uh, Luna. And there is a film I wanted to briefly mention, which opens. I didn't get a chance to see this film, but it does look really good. So I wanted to give it a quick mention and hopefully I'll get the chance to see it. It's called Carmen, uh, but it's the directorial debut of um, Benjamin Millipede who did Black Swan. What an awesome last name. Um, I know, <laughs> what an awesome, but uh, yeah, he did uh, Black Swan. He is a choreographer. Choreographer. Thank you. Choreographer. I cannot believe I just did that. Can we like erase that from air? No, it's can, too late. It's can, been said now. But that you, that's the way, that's the way you, you learn how to say words. You do you know what? Sound out the syllables. I think it's because I knew that my... Do you, like I, Some words I just can't spit out properly. I'm not silly. Like yeah, I yeah. know the word. I just can't get them out. So I, I read that. And then I for a second, I second-guessed myself thinking it wasn't a word. <laughs> but choreograph... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Anyway, he is a um, – he makes up dances. <laughs> he does. He's that guy. Um, and he did Black Swan, which was, you know, a brilliant film. So he was a choreographer um, for Black Swan? Yeah, right. I think he starred in it as well, oh, okay. potentially. I could be very wrong. But uh, this is a new film and it stars Melissa uh, Barrera and you might know her from In the Heights. She was in Scream. Uh, and she plays Carmen and uh, she plays uh, Carmen opposite uh, Paul Mescal, who was in that really wonderful film called After Sun. I've yet to see it, but it's, uh, you know, made it got awards and stuff like that. And Carmen is this young woman who flees her home uh, in Mexico to escape mm. a brutal cartel. Uh, and you know, she attempts to cross the border, the US border, but she's ambushed by um, Border Patrol uh, and Agent, uh, and in particular, Aiden, who is played by Paul Mescal. Um, he saves her and they're on the run together. Um, and through this journey towards Los Angeles, um, yeah, they there's some other stuff that happens there as well. I think, you know, uh, Carmen's dealing with the loss of her mother and, you know, she's trying to seek out her grandmother as well. But, yeah, the two kind of go on this free-spirited journey uh, to Los Angeles, running from the law, uh, and there seems to be some dancing involved as well. But uh, it's one of those trailers that's quite ambiguous. You see it and it looks really epic. Like, you go, what's this film about? And uh, I think, yeah, it's just one of those uh, films that you see the trailer for and you want to go and see the film. So I'm disappointed I didn't get to see it. I don't know if it's a fantastic film or not. Um, some of the reviews are very good. It's got um, evocative, charged without worldly intensity. That was the LA Times. Uh, the ravishing images in Carmen evoke a powerful sense of myth, poetry, timelessness and dreams, a fever dream love story of heartbreaking beauty uh, a transcendent cinematic experience. So, yeah, it looks really good. Um, disappointed I didn't get to see it, but I did go and see a film called Dali Land, which uh, is a film, uh, it's directed by acclaimed filmmaker uh, Mary Harron. She did, uh, was it a film or a, uh, I shot Andy Warhol, uh, American Psycho. Oh, okay. Um, so very acclaimed there, but uh, it stars... Sir Ben Kingsley as uh, Salvador Dali, who is a very renowned, prolific artist. Uh, surrealist, I would Surrealist, yeah, yeah. yes, fantastic. No, you're, you're quite right there, a surrealist. And this film focuses on him more in the later years, uh, you know, and him and his marriage between his wife, um, Gala, played by Barbara Sokoa in this as well. But uh, it's set in New York uh, and Spain in 1974. 
And the film is told primarily through the eyes of uh, this young boy, James, played by Christopher Brinney. He's an assistant to um, Dali and, yeah, they kind of just go on this journey together of, um, you know, Dali throws these, you know, crazy parties and the way that he expresses himself through the canvas is very surreal Mm. and, um, you know, he's got a lot of... He's one of those guys who thought... Well, in this film, I don't know if he was, but in this film he's portrayed like a bit of a narcissist, you know, having a big ego, thinking he was God and, yeah, would have these parties and, you know, models and movie stars around him all the time as he would create and, you know, his wife that he had was, you know, seeing a, a much younger man but also had a relationship with him and, yeah, so Dali... So was, it, was it an open relationship or was it a... Was, yeah, it, it was an open relationship. Uh, Sorry, I should have made that very clear. But, um, yeah, it, it's really told... And, you know, Dali shares some of his personal uh, life and his stories uh, with James, you know, in particular meeting his wife um, and, you know, the meeting and things like that. So, yeah, it's... I wouldn't call this a biopic. Uh, I, I mean, I know a biopic kind of captures someone's or a portion of yeah. someone's life and tells you that story. But it was told through someone else's eyes completely and I don't even know if this person existed or if it's just a um, way of telling the story or if it's just a, you know, um, they wanted to try and tell it in a different way. I mm. don't know. So I don't know if this assistant actually existed. I probably should do some research before <laughs> I say it didn't. But it just doesn't feel like a biopic. Um, but I guess it is in its own way a biography because... It is telling the story of somebody. Um, I don't know a lot about um, this guy, Dali. Um, I'm not a fan of his art. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it probably has its own audience. Uh, I think if you're interested in art or, yeah, surrealism or Salvador Dali, you might go and see this film. But, yeah, it just seemed to me that he had a big ego and I didn't really feel like I learned a lot about him. It was, um, yeah, and, and like I say, told through the eyes of his assistant, which I think is an interesting point of view, but I don't know how accurate it is. But I mm. guess we have that question with every, you know, biography that we watch. So Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just interested to see. I was going to do a quick Darlyland uh, film fact versus fiction. I don't, I don't um, mind his, his artwork, but I, I, I can... I can Definitely say he must have been a massive egotist. Like mm. Really just like just a look of him. Like Yeah, yeah. He's very, you know, eccentric yeah. and unique. But I think um, Ben Kingsley did a fantastic job in the role mm. and it almost felt like he wasn't trying to make it all about him as well. But, uh, yeah, it, it, he certainly had a complicated marriage to his wife and, and muse Um because you hear the story of them meeting and then um, their relationship and then this open um, relationship that they have. And, you know, Dali's very aware of this as well. But, yeah, interesting. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to see where this kind of meets, you know, fact versus fiction. So I'll have to probably come back on that one because I didn't uh, do enough research. But I think... This film has a particular audience. Yeah. I'm not that audience, yeah. but uh, still a, you know, reasonable film. So I'm going to score this uh, two and a half bottoms. Two and a half bottoms, nice. Yeah, two and a half bare bottoms. Bare bottoms. Um, there are some bare bottoms <laughs> in there. So, um, yeah, I'll try and do some research and, yeah, kind of circle back on that fact versus fiction Uh aspect of Dali, but it's called Dali Land. It's in cinemas now. If you're a art lover or you like his work, yeah. go and see it. Uh, but, yeah, eccentric character he was. Do you um, ever listen to the podcast Smartless? I do not. You do not? I do not. But I should. I, I think, need to listen to more podcasts. Yeah, I think I might have told you about Smartless uh, with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. You did, yes. They... Um, they did a uh, – because usually when they do their show, it's the three of them in their own houses mm-hmm. sitting in front of their computer on some sort of um, 
networking software, uh, uh, Zoom or, or, or other ones are available. Um, and uh, then one of them will have invited a guest onto the show mm-hmm. and the other two don't know who that guest is. Yeah. And then they introduce the guest and then the three of them kind of interview the guests. And they've got this, like, these guys are, I mean, friends for a very long time. Um, I apologize, but my hayfee is really acting up tonight. Um, they've been friends for a really long time and they do a lot of that, you know, uh, taking the piss out of each other, mm. like really bashing each other and, and like some of the digs are like, oh, but it's kind of like they just know what they can get away with when mm. they're, they're, they're um, you know, having their ribbing. Um, but So they do their, their show normally and they've been doing it for a very long time and they'll just get a surprise guest in and then, you know, they'll all interview and talk to the person, which is kind of weird because like, I, I wondered uh, to myself, like, what happens if they introduce a guest and you've got no idea who that person is? And Sean Hayes actually, um, he he uh, spoke about that and said uh, he's, like, got his uh, you know laptop there and he's, like, just like, oh, my God, and just Googling who the hell this person is. Um, but, yeah, but they done – they did a live tour. So they took the concept of the radio show and then they uh, went on a tour of America and – did live shows mm-hmm. and so they came out and they had some couches there and they would do the same thing they would have a surprise guest and they'd bring them out and then they'd interview that surprise guest and um it was really good but they they did decided to do a documentary of the the live show called smartless on the road mm-hmm. and that is now on binge and it's uh, i think it's six episodes um and uh yeah, six episodes, and you can see their their dynamic uh, off air as well as on air, mm-hmm. and just see how they go. And you you think that it's going to be you know, a hit every time they do this live show with a, a special surprise guest, but the the second show they do, they kind of misjudged just the interest the audience uh, would have on the guest uh-huh. and it was really interesting to see like something just like bomb and how they, they kind of dealt with that and I felt I felt really bad for the guests because mm. in the right circumstances this guest would have been like just killing it and I found him interesting but the audience like to see an audience just like looking at their watch yawning, oh, no. talking to each other people getting up and leaving mm-hmm. it was like oh my god because you're I'm, I'm thinking about the performers these guys sitting on stage like yeah. seeing this and just going oh we've really made a mistake here um Again, I, I feel bad for the guest. I can't remember what the the guest name was, but uh, um, yeah. So it's on uh, binge, and you can watch all six episodes now. And it's really interesting. The first uh, live show they do, the special guest is Will Farrell, and you can what you can see him on the TV show, but then you can listen to their podcast mm-hmm. and get a much longer version of what you see on the TV show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great. Smartless is a great podcast. It's a great TV show. So I recommend uh, getting out and binge watching some Smartless on the road. I will. It's such an interesting dynamic and, and concept, and it, yeah, it kind of always comes back to the guys who are running the show, you know, how are they going to handle a situation where the audience doesn't seem intrigued in a particular um, guest? And also, you know, as an interviewee, you have to, or an interviewer, sorry, you have to really be, uh, you have to kind of get the information and something from who you're interviewing, right? So it's kind of on them to make sure the show keeps going. So, yeah, I'm interested. I I do remember you mentioned it uh, a couple of weeks ago and I I did think, yeah, what a great idea. And I think, yeah, I'd love to see the the visual side to it. So I think Binge getting on and watching that, um, I'll I'll have a blast doing that. So It's it's an interesting dynamic as well mm. because you've got uh, Jason Bateman who was basically been an actor since he was a child. Yeah. Never known a real, like, you know, a real job in his life. Mm. Uh, then you got um, Sean Hayes, uh, who like is from you know the country, mm. and then he wanted to be an actor, and then he got that role of Will and Grace, and that just you know made him uh, you know very wealthy and very well known. Uh, and then you got Will Arnett, and, mm-hmm. and Will Arnett again is a you know, Canadian guy, and he's worked his way up, and mm-hmm. very interesting, interesting characters. So yeah, yeah it's a smart little road. I highly recommend. Great it. host. Uh, we might take our last uh, break for the night, and we'll be back after this. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. So the Willy Wonka, or Wonka, I'm, I should just say, Wonka yeah. trailer dropped. Um, have you seen this? I have not seen this trailer yet. Kat was mentioning it and said, have you seen um, 
uh, Hugh Grant as a as a Oompa Loompa. As an Oompa, I know how weird is that. But also Timothy Chalamet uh, wearing the top hat and the purple coat that we know Willy Wonka to wear. He just seems so young to be Willy Wonka. But it's it's a uh, prequel to like you know it's like mm. when he's young. So I'm assuming he's going to the island where the Oompa Loompas are and and like you know I don't know. This is an origin story. Okay, got you. I wasn't actually aware of that. I thought this was just a brand new remake of Willy Wonka. So when I started watching this, I was like, okay, yep, love Timothy Chalamet. Hmm, Is he a good fit? But it makes sense if it's an origin story and we find out about, you know, where it all came from. It would make sense that he's young. It would absolutely make sense that he's young. And, yeah, I'm interested in this. I really am. I kind of lost my love for... Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory a few years ago. I think they started and they made the remake and I wasn't necessarily a fan of it, the Johnny Depp one. Mm. Have they made another since then or was just that one, I think? Yeah, so you got the the first one was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The old then, uh, one. The second one was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, the, the original name of the book. Um, and, uh, yeah, and this one is just Wonka. Yeah, so. so look, I'm intrigued. You've got my interest, guys. I will probably see this, uh, I think. And, yeah, seeing Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa, uh, why not? I don't think this film is due to release until the end of the year. Uh, but, yeah, I was a huge fan of, uh, I think, 1971, which was uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And, yeah, I, I think it's a such a cool story. It's got so, one of the creepiest scenes in any film where he goes, certainly does. goes through that tunnel and there's no way you, there's no way you have knowing of where we are going. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Just, and the, the, the chicken being beheaded. It's like, what's going on here? This is ridiculous. I know. I almost think that if I were to go back and rewatch it, because it's been a very long time since I've seen it, I might feel differently <laughs> uh, about the film. And I don't know, the Johnny Depp one just didn't quite do it for me. Maybe it's because it was creepy and I realised that the whole concept is kind of Oh, it's really creepy. I mean, like, um, yeah, the the um, Scarlet is it Scarlet Beauregard who like you know, yeah becomes a blueberry and yeah um, the, uh, the the kid that uh, falls into the chocolate thing and it's just like and he's like oops <laughs> oh well yeah and just he doesn't care I just love it it's great yeah no but it, it looks great it's directed by Paul King uh, yeah and the trailer's out now if you want to go and check it out uh, but uh, due to release uh, yeah I believe later in the year, uh, which will be good. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that and, uh, yeah, see how it plays out. But um, I wonder if it's going to ignite a new love for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory among kids. But I think kids still love it. They love the old school one anyway and they read the books at school. So I don't think you have to entice them to go and see this. I think they will. Yeah. Um, we'll go and see it. Yeah, December 15th it uh, releases. So there you go. It's got a good good cast in there. You got uh, Olivia Commons in there as well. Ah, popping Hugh up Grant, everywhere. Keegan Michael Key, Sally Hawkins, Ron Atkinson, Matt Lucas. It's like, yeah, it's great. Jim Carter, he was in uh, Downton Abbey. Um, Simon Farnby, just yeah, lots of lots of good people in there. So fantastic lineup. And um, Paul King, who is the the director, obviously uh, directed and wrote Paddington. Uh, Paddington 2 and Bunny and the Bull. So if you like those films, um, Bunny and the Bull doesn't quite tie in with Paddington and Paddington 2, but uh, if you loved Paddington, um, I'm sure you'll uh, go and enjoy Wonka, uh, which is a musical. It's going to be a musical fantasy film, so there will be some music, which is fantastic, uh, which you do expect in a Wonka film. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be some music in there, which uh, is great. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to keeping up to date with the development of those that film uh, as it comes out. $125 million budget. So there you go. Peanuts. Peanuts. <laughs> uh, have, you, but, have you seen uh, 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 Platonic on um, the uh, Apple TV Plus? I have. I haven't finished it, though. I started watching it. And I had a mixed feelings about Platonic. I love Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen and I love their chemistry on screen, but it didn't quite pique me my interest to stay. Uh, have you finished it? Is it worth watching to the end? Yes, we uh, actually watched the uh, the last episode last night. Oh. Um, and, it, and it's good because... Um, you want to see a bit of character development mm-hmm. in uh, in the uh, the characters you're watching, um, and <coughs> Seth um, 
Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne, they're basically playing, uh, you know, friends who were, you know, friends up until like, you know, college age, I guess. And then mm-hmm. they kind of fell out because uh, Seth Rogen's uh, character uh, of uh, Will, he got married to this woman who like just didn't get along with, with Rose uh, Byrne's character of Sylvia. And so they just kind of lost touch. But mm-hmm. then Will ended up getting divorced from uh, his wife and then they kind of reconnected. And, and Sylvia's life was kind of like she's, you know, been married. She's had kids. Um, she used to be a lawyer, but she like, you know, left the law to raise the kids. And now she's kind of finding herself a bit aimless mm-hmm. um, and not knowing where her life is going. And they kind of like fall back into their, their ways where they were kids. And just like every time they get together, it's just like it's fun but it's really not cool. <laughs> um, and, but it's all like, it's called platonic because that's, their relationship is completely platonic. Mm-hmm. There is no sexual tension between these two characters whatsoever. They just kind of push each other's buttons and they do kind of like, they're, they're a bad influence on each other mm. at the end of the day. But uh, uh, Will is a, a guy who's a part owner in a bar and he's the brewmaster, so he's making all the beer. And he's so focused on that. Uh, and then uh, like, yeah, he's, he's got... His, his issues but it's great I mean Rose Byrne's a great actress uh, sorry, Rose Byrne's a great actor Will, Seth Rogen's a great actor uh, it's just a joy to watch uh, the 10 episodes of this series so I would highly recommend checking it out Excellent um, I was going to mention briefly that I did a little bit of Christmas in July watching uh and watched two terrible Hallmark films. <laughs> I cannot find the name of these films for the life of me, which might actually be a good thing because it means that I'm not bagging them out on air. But uh, one was a film about two people who swap places for Christmas. Right. So it's like a Freaky Friday Christmas type scenario and they kind of learn to appreciate what they have because they're trapped in someone else's body. Uh, and then there was another film which was just a romance uh, two people who meet at this, um, what did they call it? It was like a drinking, bar hopping for Santa Clauses. So they were all dressed up as Santa Clauses, met, had a connection, didn't see each other because they were dressed as Santa Claus right. and then try and find each other again. Sorry, if you are into the whole Christmas in July thing, there are some cheesy films out there for you to watch uh, as well. I think they were both on binge or something like that. Kind of thing about going getting uh, KFC on the way home because that's all like uh, KFC's. I saw the yeah. Christmas in July thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Because KFC's like, if you're in Japan, they have KFC for Christmas dinner in Japan because they don't like have the Christmas that we have. So yep. that's their thing. Christmas, get get KFC in Japan. Oh, here we go. It's called A Christmas Switch. Ah. That was the film where they, they swap places um, and the other movie could actually be called anything because it's um, a romance. But uh, what I I liked about the Christmas Switch, it wasn't a romance. It was just a film about two people learning to appreciate what they have in life. Nice. Um, which is nice because I feel like all the other ones are all soppy romance films and, you know, who needs those? This is true. I mean, some people like them. <laughs> anyway, that's my uh, Christmas in July rant. Uh, we should probably make a move from the studio as uh, Quizzy is uh, digging through his crates. He's about to jump on the mic and keep you guys company. Uh, We will be back next week, of course, talking about two of the biggest releases uh, this year, Barbie and uh, Oppenheimer, uh, both releasing next week. So please tune in to hear our thoughts on those films. Until then, Unscripted Nights. See you later. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the gentlemen of pop culture.